This week's message, given by Pastor Stephen Yun at the Second Sunday United Methodist Church, December 3rd, 2023. The message is, Do You See What I See? Based on Jeremiah 33, 14-16 and Luke 2, 29-32. Loving, gracious God, on this rainy day, we are longing for your grace falling like a rain. We're longing for your word that gives us hope and peace. As we come together this morning, O oh God, we ask your Holy Spirit to come and open our hearts and minds so we can see you, we can hear you, we can feel your presence. Come Holy Spirit. Pray all this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, and all God's people said, Amen. As we uh, begin this time, I'd like us to do a little exercise. Let me show you something. Um, do you see this? What does it say? What about this one? You. Yeah. Now a little harder. And I don't get me wrong, this is not an eye exam, in case you didn't take an eye exam this year. What about this? C, yes. If you can see from the back, you have a pretty good eyes. Um, now, this will be the most challenging. Can anybody uh, see? Um, even our choir member. Well, that's good because I meant, you know, it, it's, um, I made it too small so you cannot read it. Um, but what if I come closer to you and show you? Can you even see it now? What I see. Okay. What about to you? Can you see what I see? Yeah? It's a common sense. That distance makes a difference in what we can see or what we cannot see. But you know, there are other factors that come into play when determining how far people can see. Let me show you something. What do you see here? Lights? It's actually a picture of a star named Vega, which is the second brightest star in the northern hemisphere. So if you look up at this nice sky, you can almost always see this star as long as the weather isn't too bad. But do you know how far this star is from the Earth? It's known that this star is 25 light years away from the Earth. 
25 light years. For those of you who love science, you learned about the light years, right? The light year is a unit of distance, right? It's not time. It measures the distance that light can travel in one year. It's approximately 5.8 trillion miles. 5.8 trillion miles. It gives you an idea of how far this star is located. But how ironic. You know, you couldn't see these little alphabets, right? From probably uh, four feet, five feet. We cannot read these small letters, even from a small distance. Yet we can see a star so distant in the galaxy. How is this possible? It's all because of its light. It truly showcases the incredible power of light despite the vast cosmic expanse. The light released by the star transcends immense distances, allowing us to see their existence and brilliance from far away. It's a reminder that what we see and perceive is not solely determined by distance. The same is true for things close by. You know, look at your hands. And I hate to remind you of this, but you know, there are all sorts of things close by that we cannot see. Things like germs and bacterias. You know, they're invisible to the naked eyes, but we know they are here. We cannot see them without special tools like a microscope. Again, whether we can see or not, it's just not a matter of distance. One of the passages that we read every year on Christmas Eve is the Gospel of John, chapter 1. And John begins its story talking about the light, talking about the Word. 2,000 years ago in Israel, some people witnessed the coming of the true, true light of the world. You know, some people welcomed him and honored the baby Jesus. But it's not that they saw the same thing from Jesus and understood what they saw. Seeing Jesus later, some people saw just the son of a poor carpenter. Seeing Jesus, some saw a, a great prophet. Seeing Jesus, others saw a great rabbi, a teacher. Especially when Jesus was born, most people didn't see what the birth of this baby would mean to them. According to the Gospel of Luke, at least two people were paying attention to them. The prophets Simeon and Anna. Sorry, I'm moving backward actually. 
And today's gospel is part of a song of Simeon. The Simeon was a faithful and just man according to the gospel of Luke. He recognized the time of Messiah's coming at a time when everyone else missed it. In this passage it says, O Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations. A light for revelation to Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. You know, Simeon saw what others couldn't see. And we wonder how he managed to spot the things that most of the people missed. How could he see who that precious baby was when he was brought to the temple? Again, what we can see is not simply a matter of distance. There are things we can see no matter how far it is. There are things we cannot see no matter how close it is to us. Especially when it comes to the matter of life and faith. We need this first special lens called H-O-P-E. Hope. The lens called hope. What's amazing about this lens is that it works both as a telescope and microscope for Christians. There are two different scientific tools but do the same function. What do they do? They magnify. Right? The telescope magnifies objects that are far away, allowing us to see them in detail. Microscopes they also magnify tiny objects to make them visible to us. I believe hope does the same thing. The hope does the same thing. Like a spiritual telescope, hope magnifies things that God promised to do in our life, in our world. Even though it feels like a far distant reality, hope enables us to see that. Like a spiritual microscope, hope magnifies things that God is doing things. God, what God is doing among us, even though how, how, how those things look very similar, uh, small and minor, those things we can see clearly through the lens of hope. Simeon has been told by the Holy Spirit that he will not die until he has seen the Messiah. He spent his later years eagerly anticipating the coming of Messiah. And we know waiting can be challenging. When I first encountered the English, English expression, the waiting game, I struggled to comprehend how waiting could be associated with game. I thought to myself, wow, that's way too optimistic and naive conceptualization of waiting. Especially for whom waiting each day brings pain and anguish. And we know these from our current circumstance in our world. 
the Israeli families waiting for their loved ones to return home from danger. Palestine civilians who are waiting for food and shelter and medicine. Or Ukrainian citizens waiting and longing for an end to the war. The list goes on and on. And if waiting is a game, it's like one of those survival challenges, survival games that demand immense patience and resilience. Some scholars believe that when Simeon met Jesus, he was very old, perhaps in his 90s, according to the early Christian tradition. But what sustained him through all those years of waiting was hope grounded in the promise of God, the hope grounded in the Word of God. With the spiritual lens of hope, now he sees not only a a vulnerable baby held in his arms, but also the salvation of God. He sees a greater thing. In verse 30, he says these words, For my eyes have seen your salvation. Seeing Jesus, Simeon sees the salvation of God. God's mighty hands of salvation working through the baby Jesus. Last Wednesday, we began um, Edmund's study based on Matt Roll's book, Experiencing Christmas. And just so you know, you can attend any of the remains, remaining sessions if you like. You're welcome to join us anytime. This book poses an uh, interesting question about the senses that we have. You know, uh, what we see, hear, taste, and feel during this holiday seasons and how they affect and shape the way we experience Christmas. You know, those senses are closely tied to our collective memory as a family, as a congregation. They're closely tied to the way we experience Christmas, the way we celebrate Christmas. And they enrich our experience and understanding of Christmas. One thing we discussed last Wednesday, though, difference between anticipation and expectation, which are kind of used interchangeably in American English. According to Matt Roll, there are differences between the two words, anticipation and expectation. The anticipation is something you see in a world of cause and effect. You know, if I drop this clicker, what's going to happen? What do you anticipate? Yeah. Exactly. As humans, we are almost hardwired for anticipation, for things to come and happen according to our own experience and understanding of what the world would be like, should be like. It's based on what's known already. It's the outcome of our 
preconception, pre-knowledge and experience. In contrast, expectation is not based on what's known, but what's unknown. So you cannot prepare for expectation because you know, it's not what you have seen or experienced before. When it's not part of your experience and knowledge, what you need is imagination. And the only way to prepare for expectation is through imagination. The season of Advent and Christmas is filled with anticipation in terms of what we see, you know, whether it's lights or decorations and ornaments or Christmas tree. Some of you may have very specific tradition when it comes to decorations, right? When it comes to how you celebrate Christmas, what to expect, what to put things in your house and where and when and how you put them in your house. Again, it leads us to the question, fundamental question, why we do what we do. Why we do what we do. It's a critical question for us as Christians because Advent and Christmas are not just holidays for us to rejoice and celebrate. It's holy days that should also lead us to reflect on the reason for the season. Why we do what we do, especially if it's something we do out of habit or in the name of tradition. Friends, what would it mean for us for you to experience this Christmas with expectation, not just with anticipation. I want to invite you to think about what expectation it would look like in your Advent and Christmas this year. If what's unknown to you now can be known by God. And here's the thing, we, as we think about how we move from anticipation to ex expectation. This morning we read the passage from Jeremiah and it's a perfect example of how we can transition from anticipation to expectation. On the screen you see Jeremiah passage that we read this morning. What do you see from this passage? What do you see from this message? What do you hear? from the prophecy of Jeremiah. The promise of God. It's a promise about God doing something wonderful among the Israelites. But you know what? What's striking about this passage is that during the time that Jeremiah wrote this prophecy, Jerusalem was conquered by Babylonian Empire. The first temple, the temple built by Solomon was devastated, it's destroyed. The city was burned down, the people were taken as hostages, and slaves, what they called the Babylonian exile. If you were Jews, what would you anticipate in that moment? You know, there was nothing positive that could come out of it. There was nothing good they could anticipate from where they were at the moment. But here's the good news. The prophet Jeremiah sees the salvation of God coming through the Messiah that is to come. 
He sees God doing amazing things in the midst of destruction and despair. You know, as a nation, they were like the tree cut by force. But sees the vision where God makes a branch sprout out from the trunk, the bendened trunk. And he's filled with expectation that God will do what is just and right among his people when the time comes. Friends, what enables anticipation to transition from, I mean, transition into expectation is the Word of God grounded in hope. Hope is the key to the journey from anticipation to expectation. With the eyes of hope, Jeremiah offered his people the expectation of rebirth and restoration through the coming of the Messiah. Again, hope is a special lens that enables us to see what we cannot see clearly in the journey of our life and faith. Hope changes what we see, what we can see. I trust you received the post-it note this morning. Thank you, Carol, for handing, handing it out. As we sing after this message, I want to invite you to think about how expectation might change your narrow vision during this season of Advent and Christmas. What is the great barrier to anticipation, your anticipation becoming expectation in your life today? What hinders you? And if you're anticipating something that needs a touch of hope, how might you make room for hope during this season? One of my favorite carols is, Do You Hear What I Hear? How many of you know the song? It's actually, a, in our Advent study, we sang along this uh, particular song. Um, and many of you actually, um, many of us actually uh, mistakenly assume that this song was created and made a long time ago, you know. And it was actually uh, written in um, 1962 when there was a um, national crisis. Do you know what it is? The Cuban Missile Crisis. And this song was made as a powerful, powerful plea for peace by this European-American uh, compo composer-writer, Noel. Noel Regni, who went through the devastation of Second World War, and he got scared, got terrified by what was going on at that time in 1962. He got feared by what the world was anticipating at the moment. And one night he was walking the street and saw the smile of two babies as their moms are talking to each other. And that little moment, that peaceful moment, put him in perspective and inspired him to write this song. As you know, this song, the song goes like this. See what I see. See what I see. Where 
We know how desperately the song's message of hope is needed today, as it was then in 1960. If any of you feel like you are stuck with your narrow anticipation today, may God lead you to an abundant expectation of what God is doing and what God will do in your life today. I'd like us to close this message with a quote from Matt Roll's book. It says, When God put on flesh, everything changed. We look at the world and ask God, Do you see what I see? Do you see the hungry? Do you see the poor? Do you see those who are put down, messed up, ignored, or forgotten? Now for the first time, because God now has the eyes to see, God answers with our same question, Do you see what I see? Do you see the soon the hungry will be filled, the poor will be blessed, the persecuted will leap for joy? I will walk among you, I will call you to follow, and together we will change the world. Amen.